Hey, what's going on, everybody? Today is Thursday, February 15th. You are listening and watching the Day of the AI show live. And today we are talking, Beth, Beth and I are talking since we're the only ones here right now. Uh, and we have virtual Andy. We have AI Andy that will be uh, joining us here in a minute. But today we're talking about some lesser probably known companies, the ones that don't necessarily get, hey, Jimmy's here too. Welcome, Jimmy. We were just getting going. Uh, today, we're talking about some companies that uh, don't necessarily get, you know, all the fanfare. They're not open AI. Their CEO isn't Sam Altman. They're not, you know, they're not on every news, you know, article and blah, blah, blah. But they're making huge impacts. And specifically today, we're talking about the American dynamism. I knew I was going to mess that word up. I've been tripping up on it all morning uh 50 ai edition and so what i'm going to do is i'm going to just share a little bit about what they say now this is from a16z.com and and now we got carl here too welcome welcome carl we're just getting going um okay so what i want to do is just read their description of it because i think that will set the the line for today right what we want to talk about so it says from the last mile to low earth orbit solar fields to the battlefield, artificial intelligence is redefining our barometer for progress. Thus, this year's American Dynamism 50, A16Z's annual spotlight on 50 groundbreaking technology companies advancing the national interest, all harness AI to fill, fill their missions. Uh, whittling this contingent down to 50 companies was a challenge. Of course, there are many AI companies that are 50 uh, in the, that are, that the 50 featured below that are contributing to more prosperous AI America. In addition, many hugely consequential American dynam dynamism <laughs> companies, man, didn't fit neatly into this project's particular AI focus. The AI companies highlighted below are tackling some of the country's most uh, pressing problems across aerospace, defense, energy, transportation, manufacturing, and more. Ultimately, uh, we hope the ambitions of the American Dynamism 50, I think I got it that time, spark conversation and inspire optimism in America's future. Okay, that's a lot, but that kind of gives you an idea of the idea for this uh, conversation, which is sort of like I was saying to Beth right before we went live, right? It's sort of like a a, a new show um, where on what we do on Wednesdays. But in today's case, we're um, all going to kind of highlight maybe a companies that jumped off the page for us individually. You know, I know Beth, we were just talking, you have a few, Andy has a pre-recorded clip, so he's going to talk about three. I have three. I think Beth, you have about that much. Carl and Jimmy doing the same. Um, so, you know, any, any of the different um, companies on this list that we just felt like, you know, this is interesting. Maybe it speaks to us personally on a personal note. Um, so I don't know, Beth, maybe let's kick it off with, with, uh, our AI Andy, which is a not AI Andy, but Andy record pre-recorded a clip. Um, and so we want to share that because, uh, this, uh, this, he brought this idea to us for a show idea. So maybe we'll kick it off with him first. He has about a three minute, four minute, uh, clip we can play. Right. So I'm going to share Andy's screen. I'm going to move my mic so you can hear it. Perfect. There we go. <laughs> I'm trying to click it on the share screen. I'm sorry I couldn't be there uh, for you today in person. So I'm providing this recording. I was called away on urgent matter. There's been a major snowstorm in the Lake Tahoe. I'm sorry. The Sierra region. Beth, you want to hold up for a second? That's it is a little. It's a little muffled on my side. I'm, I fear people might not be able to hear it. Can you guys hear that? Okay, Carl and Jimmy. 
and it's a little really quiet. Yeah. It's a little quiet. Is there any way you can make it any louder, Beth, real quick? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just want to make sure people can hear it. Not without. See, we got to be able to share this. Okay, you know what? Let's let's pull this off really quick, Beth. I'm gonna try to pull it. Um, I'm gonna try to pull it up on a Slack inside a tab, and then that will solve the the sound problem. So let's let's come back to Andy because I just feel like it's gonna be really hard in the podcast <laughs> to hear it muffled. Sorry, Andy. We can no, also no, we're gonna get Andy, we're gonna get Andy back. I just you know what it is. Slack opens up in its own window, and then when you share on here, I'm sure nobody in our audience cares much about the technical <laughs> difficulties. But if you share a tab, you can share the audio. If you share a window, which is what I really need, you can't share the audio, which is what I need. So we I just need to move Slack over to um, over to open it up in an actual tab, and then that should solve that problem. Okay. Um, but why go ahead, Beth. I'm sorry. I'm gonna say so. Uh, can Jimmy work out? Because <laughs> you have your three and are about stuck. Um, no, no, I was going to say, uh, go ahead, Beth, if you want. Go ahead, go, go ahead with yours if you want to share your screen or if you just want to talk about them. And then uh, I can try to pull this up really quick. Or if, Jimmy, you beat me to it, that's fine too. <laughs> so one of the things that I thought was really interesting in this list um, is, the, is the climate kind of associated things and Y Combinator today uh, or maybe late yesterday released their list of like uh, startups requested, right? Like we are interested in these startups. Um, so please start up in these industries and a lot of them overlap with the 50 that are in this list, the, the, the things that the 50 in this list are talking about. So um, so the first one that I thought was really interesting, there were two, um, Sail Drone, let me pull it closer so that I can see it, Sail Drone um, and um, uh, Sail Drone collects ocean data in real time with a fleet of wind and solar powered uncrewed surface vehicles. Um, they're in Alameda, California. Um, jobs created. This is a Andres uh, and Horowitz um, assessment, and so it's assessing the impact on jobs, right? AI creating jobs as opposed to um, uh, as opposed to eliminating them, or in addition to eliminating them, perhaps it is. Um, sail drone. A sail drone was able to record video and images from inside Hurricane Idalia. Um, and that gets to be really interesting, right? I mean, uh, to a certain extent, it's interesting because Twister uh, did that as the movie and now Twisters is coming out, it's all over my X feed. Um, but uh, uh, that ability to go into situations where it would be enormous risk to human life to be able to get the video, um, this, uh, this was able to do that. And I know we've been able to do that like on land a little bit more, but in, but the ocean, this is this seems to be a new uncharted territory. Ha ha ha, pun intended. Um, so uh, so that was um, that sail drone, and then related to that is Saronic Technologies, um, and they're also unmanned surface vehicles for maritime security and domain awareness. They're in Austin, Texas, and they're more identified toward. Um, search and rescue or being able to identify problems that are happening in terms of um, what's happening in the ocean. Um, Saronic builds unmanned surface vehicles for naval and maritime forces, and it can be launched from small craft, fleet assets, beachheads, or airdrops. Has three models, 
Spyglass, Cutlass, and Corsair. Um, and they uh, do things like uh, identifying and tracking other surface craft, right? Um, uh, launch and recovery missions at sea. I think we've had a couple big, um, uh, big notable, like made the main news feed stories in the last couple of years where part of the story was that the, the place where the problem happened is huge, right? Ocean is huge. Um, and so it was really hard to narrow down and this kind of technology would be able to help with that. And, um, and uh, deploying loitering munitions. And isn't that uh, a turn of phrase that I have never heard before and also uh, both alarming and I guess if the munitions are protecting us, nice. Uh, so those are two of mine. Um, let's, uh, let's hear from somebody else and I'll go and grab the, the third one that I want. Yeah, sure. I, uh, I was able to pull, I'm going to try right now again, and we're going to try Andy real quick. I have awesome. him, uh, pulled up in a tab now, which, uh, here we go. Okay. You guys let me know real quick. I'm going to do a quick test. Good morning, everyone. Can you hear it now? I couldn't be there. It's a little low, but yeah, it's not muffled. I'll turn it up. Providing this recording. I was called away on an urgent matter. Better. There's been yep. a major snowstorm in the Lake Tahoe, I'm sorry, the Sierra region where the uh, ski, I mean, the, uh, you know, snowpack is for the watershed. And I'm, I'm called to go up there and inspect the uh, snow that's been accumulating overnight. Uh, and so I'll be gone up there for the next two days. But I wanted to contribute to this discussion. And, and what is amazing about this collection of identified companies by Andreessen Horowitz is that you have a major VC company that does incredible due diligence on all of these. And so all of these companies that are mentioned among the 50 AI companies making a meaningful difference in the public interest, mm. in, this, in the country's interest and world interest uh, uh, is that, uh, you know, they really do pass muster in lots of different ways, financially, technologically, and in terms of their positioning and their provision of benefits to humanity. So I want to mention three. Uh, one of them is behind the scenes in the training of AIs, and it's an amazing company called Surge AI. And Surge AI um, is led by a guy, Edwin Chen, who was previously in charge of content moderation and machine learning at Google, Facebook, and Twitter. And what this company does is they have a data platform that collects the information about the ways humans are interacting with the uh, large language models and evaluates those and, and provides a key function called reinforcement learning with human feedback, which is one of the main ways that these uh, models are trained and learned to become smarter and smarter. That Surge AI platform is used by OpenAI, by Anthropic, by Cohere, and many others. But you never hear about Surge AI. It's because they're behind the scenes making those products better. Okay, shifting from AI software to education. There's a company called Synthesis, a very interesting story. Uh, the co-founder, Joshua Don, uh, developed curriculum for a school, a private school for Elon Musk and SpaceX employees, uh, children, right? So teaching the kids of the SpaceX employees. And so using SpaceX uh, intelligence and DARPA information, they built AI powered software that teaches kids 
math and science through strategy games online. Now, fast forward, and now this is a 10,000 student strong online learning system, which is probably pretty cool. I'd, I look forward to trying it myself, Synthesis AI. And then finally, I think this is very interesting, and this is in the interest of climate change uh, mo moderation. Uh, and this is a company called Airspace Intelligence. The airline industry, my father was a 747 captain, so I have some familiarity with this. Uh, the airline industry has a big problem scheduling crews and planes and, and, and then launching these things into the air against all of the other demands of weather issues and so on. And this is an AI system that is being used like Google Maps for air traffic uh, or ways for air traffic, and it shaves an average of 5.3 minutes off of airline uh, Alaska Airlines flights, and that saves millions of pounds of fuel. So imagine AI being much, much smarter and helping us be much more efficient with our burn. All right, that's all I have next time. Okay, so um, here we are, we're back. Um, Thank you, uh, Andy, from the from the past, from the future, uh, from the from the snow slopes. I'm glad we have somebody <laughs> like Andy who is who is monitoring the snow impact, probably while he's skiing or or uh, snowboarding down the hillside. But hey, you know, I, I, I love the way he uh, the way he talked about. It. He's been called away. Um, maybe he has. You never know what Andy. It's possible. It's possible. Um, I wonder. I wanted to bring up um, two things on there. One. I didn't know he was going to bring up synthesis until I saw this clip this morning. I actually worked for synthesis um, for well over a year and I was a uh, instructor there. So, um, you know, I have, I have a few extra things to add there. Synthesis is a really cool, cool company. It did start inside SpaceX uh, called Ad Astra. It was um, started out as a, as a way, the way I understood it, not just Elon Musk. I know he, get, he gets a lot of the, the billing, but it was basically Elon Musk saying, we can teach people to code. We can teach children the code. That's not a problem. We now have students that are doing advanced math. My daughter would be in that category where she's in seventh grade, but she's doing algebra. And I didn't hit algebra till high school. That's not to say my daughter's some genius. I'm just, what I'm saying is that a lot of the kids these days have an ability to do math that's more advanced than maybe where I grew up and, and did it, right? We're just, they're farther along. What he was saying, as well as others were saying with Ad Astra was, we need more students that can do critical thinking skills, that can do constructive learning to figure out and do problem solving. He's like, this is what the future of our of our country is going to be built on, is helping helping children, students learn how to do critical thinking. So that started as Ad Astra, then it came out and they uh, made it externally focused and started Synthesis. And so there was a couple people who were involved with that, not necessarily linked. It has its origin story from like um, Elon Musk and, and um, SpaceX, but it's its own company now. And so what they did now, it's changed a little bit. But when I was involved, they hired people like me um, to essentially be instructors, teachers or what we would be called facilitators, because truly what my job was was I would have a cohort of students. Now I taught everything from uh, nine-year-olds and eight-year-olds, all the way up in some cohorts I had up to 14 and 15-year-olds, which are, as you can imagine, drastically different. And what I would do is I would get on with the same group of students, the same cohort of students every single week, and we would play games. Now these games, 
look about as visually complex as something like a Minecraft. But here was the difference. When we started a brand new game, and there would be like space games and different games and fire-related games and stuff like that, we gave the students, the children, no instructions. We literally got them in there and we said, you're on this team, you're on this team, three, two, one, go. And as you can imagine, lots of frustration, lots of anxiety that builds up when the, the arrow keys don't do anything or the space key is making you spin around in circles. And this team is over here doing things and you're like, do I fly to that planet and harvest it and then take my grains back? What am I supposed to do here? There are no rule, no instructions given. Then we come back into main session and we have conversations with the, with the children. We say, what do we know? What was our hypothesis? What did we learn? What didn't work most importantly? Where was our failures? What are we going to try next? And this was the, the nugget of synthesis was to help them not give them the answers, but help them work collaboratively, collaboratively to, uh, it's like the other word now, um, to come nice. to a solution and own the result. And that's the biggest thing is because, you know, I used to teach um, children how to, the quick, quick tangent, I used to teach children for a small period on how to um, float over or, or turn over and float in a pool as early as age of one through a company mm -hmm. called IFR. And what you didn't want to do as the instructor in that case is be the hand of God. That's what they called it. The hand of God was when a even a small baby or an infant who was learning how to float, if I came up underneath them because I started to see their cheeks go under the water, there's a panic of this child who is floating in front of me is about to not drown. I'm there, right? but you didn't want to come in as the hand of God and save it because that's not giving the right reinforcement learning techniques. And so what you would find is if you just gave a little bit of a, a wave that a one-year-old could self-regulate and bring their body back up and you would see the water line go and they could keep their mouth above water for as long as they needed to and float there and save themselves. Amazing, amazing thing. So the idea wasn't to be the hand of God. The idea was to let the children be frustrated and learn together and come up with new hypotheses that we were going to test over and over and over again. But I will tell you, it gives me goosebumps now because there was nothing better than two, three, four weeks of this at an hour a time every week and to have the, one of the children or all the children get it. And it clicks. So I think we need to move... I think we need to move on, but I think one of the things that that's interesting that links what you're talking about back to our experience with AI is that often AI is also not something that comes with exact instructions, right? So we're all kind of doing that. I don't know that we feel like we're drowning. Some of us might feel like we're drowning periodically, but we're all kind of coming back to the place of like, okay, uh, let's find our peers who are also in the pool with us. Let's and we are your peers. Come back, mm -hmm. um, and let's see what's working for us. What's working for you? Uh, we'll we'll do that research. Nice, Brian. Did you do your three? Did you have more? I can. I can keep going my three, but I can. I'm happy to bounce over to Carl, Jimmy, and then I can come back to mine. I I do have a a few that I wanted to highlight. Um, and super quickly, uh, I totally agree with Andy on synthesis and airspace intelligence. I think they'll, uh, they're, they're going to be huge. Um, the uh, airspace intelligence specifically seems to be a component of, um, of these other companies that, that seem to mm -hmm. exist. 
So airspace intelligence seems to have, uh, you know, the realm of air uh, handled, right? That's uh, all of that um, scheduling and logistics and everything saves tons of fuel. It's going to lower carbon footprint. Fantastic. So on the sea side of things, the maritime side of things, there's Mythos AI. And they're basically doing the same thing, but for shipping. And the vast majority of goods that we're getting all across the world is by sea. So if you can have automated logistics moving all of that cargo to and fro and saving on fuel and time and all those kinds of things, you're just going to see benefits across the board. Um, now, I'm going to shift a little bit and go into all of the uh, food-related ones. So these are my personal favorites. So... There's a company called FarmNG, uh, and they made something called the Amiga Kit, which is a sustainable uh, AI-powered robotics uh, device or kit that uh, will help farmers save time in uh, their cropping jobs and their harvesting jobs, including things like seeding and compost spreading, cultivation. And there's so much time of the whole farming process is for all of these things, and this can all be automated. That means we can increase output, um, you know, and just lift a little, uh, a little more weight off of our farmers. Uh, and this should, yeah, and should this should increase output and yield, which we all need, so that we can help feed the world, essentially, right? Um, another component of that is this company called Chef Robotics. And this might be tied to something that, a story that you talked about in the past, uh, Brian, about having robotic- mm, uh, The company out in uh, California. Yeah, the, the, the restaurant. Yeah. And so the way I imagined it when I was, uh, when I was reading about them is, it's definitely, uh, they designed it to fill uh, a role that was short staffed, like on average 20 to 50%, mm -hmm. but, I see it combined with what you were talking about in the past, Brian, is um, mobile feed centers, you know, mm. um, so that if there's an emergency, whether by weather or conflict or something like that, where anyone's some suffering, you can have these mobile units go out there and help feed hundreds or thousands of people. This is, this is, this is how I see where this technology is going, is yeah. to help, you know, help support and help uh, feed people in you know that are in need um from there there's there's a couple of others that i just want to highlight uh one is amp robotics um they're doing recycling improvements their system right now um well just a little context so recycling garbage sorting all of that process they process about 25 tons um and this is all done manually currently and the AMP product, the AMP Robotics, they can do their sorting with 99% accuracy at four times the speed. This yeah. is amazing, right? Mm. Because one of the one of the big things that we've had uh, that's been a problem or, or a, an issue with trying to use more recycled materials is all recycled materials cost more, uh, you know, on average than using new materials. Right. So if you have uh, these folks uh, increasing the amount of materials that can be recycled more sustainably and less, uh, less expensive, and that means more, uh, more products can be manufactured with recycled materials, which I think is a win across the board. You know, the less, the less natural resources that we're, uh, 
that we're using and instead just mm. reusing. Um, yeah, there were, sorry, go. And then the, the final one was Empyrean, which uh, we all know, like over the last few uh, last few years, there's been uh, an increase in um, terrible weather, bringing down energy grids and things like that. And so their system is supposed to help bolster those energy grids by identifying usage spikes, you know, highs and lows, even with more accuracy than they do it now. You can identify when heavy usage is, low usage, and basically bolster um, these energy grids from co uh, to combat uh, weather extremes. So less uh, less grids going down because of inclement weather, mm. uh, which I hope because of in in the same sense of airspace or mythos, the logistics of how m energy is generated, moved around, and spent and used, you can get an overall decrease in energy costs. Right. So yeah. th th those are, those I think were the the ones that I wanted to highlight the most. I really love the idea um, about the what you said, because it kicked off an idea and I brought it up on my screen, so I'll share in a second. But you talked about mobile food kitchens and that immediately made me think about it. I had not thought about this before, but you're so right, Jimmy. Uh, World Central Kitchen, which uh, is it, my wife brought them to my attention and they do. Um, they're the ones that like deploy everywhere around the world and start feeding people. I mean, they're an amazing, amazing organization. There was a documentary done about them and the founder as well. It might be on Netflix. But anyway, um, it, what you just said, I was like, oh my God, yeah, that totally makes sense because one of the hardest things is like they land on site and it's immediately like, what kitchen, you know, after a hurricane here in Florida, they were like, went down to Fort Myers and they're like, where can we get power? What kitchen can we even clean up as fast? Like, and they're making sandwiches within hours, right? They, they do amazing right. stuff, but you, you can imagine, okay, there's gotta be initial boots on the ground, but then if there's this Connex container, right? A, a 50 foot long or 40 foot long Connex container that takes a little bit longer to deploy, sure, to anywhere in the world, but if it can be dropped and inside that Connex container is um, generator power, solar power, if that's relevant for where they yeah. are, and yeah. now you have food robots in there who can just mass make sandwiches for as long as you can supply it with the bread and the whatever right. to do it. That's a really cool synergy of the two of those ideas. I, I hadn't thought of it. I only thought about it from like the fast food stuff that we're seeing. But Gabby, you're so right that there's probably a lot of really cool tech that could be done for places like World Central Kitchen to help in times of disaster, which we have. I mean, they're only going to happen more. That's not a political statement, but we're seeing an increase in, in natural disasters and this is going to continue to happen. So we're going to need more humanitarian aid for sure. Um, Carl looks like. Yeah. Do you want to go with any Carl? And then I, I'll, I can do my three pretty quick so I can wrap up with mine if you want. Sure. I also, when I saw this, I was like, do we have to mention the, in this article? Cause I have a couple that I, well, I actually <laughs> have one that I was like, no, this, there's something I was like, these are the ones because the one that I was looking for and full transparency, I'm an investor in this, invested for a while, is Palantir. And I don't know if anyone knows who Palantir mm. is. I thought yeah. you were going to say Google, but okay. Palantir. No. <laughs> <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> no, no. So Palantir is, um, is a software company specializing in big data. So it's founded in 2003. The CEO is Alex Karp. And if you just Google Alex Karp, 
there's so many calm like he's very very outspoken um one of his latest things he he just um he just sent out a book called the technological republic and really it's a big criticism on a complacency of western uh, the west in global threats and what um he so uh, for those who don't know who alex carp is a lot of the software development he used to do was used by agencies like immigration and custom enforcement so i think ice the fbi and the cia and what palantir does just it does a a different a couple of different things so designed for data integration management and analysis across various sectors so it's not just but they are primarily known used for government agencies for defense intelligence operations it's called palantir gotham and integrates manages secures and analyzes data that's facilitation the identification of patterns hidden within data sets that's very code word for there's a lot of ai that they are using right now for defense and a lot of some of their things used for guidance of missiles mm -hmm. drones like really like when you talk about defense this is defense and um and the use for counterterrorism investigations, obviously CIA operations. Um, so there's a big defense component, but they also, um, healthcare during the pandemic supported uh, vac vaccine allocation and distribution from a financial perspective. They have Palantir Metropolis used for hedge funds, banks, and financial services, uh, legal compliance, also solutions for financial compliance, legal intelligence. Um, the more I read about this, the more I'm like, huh, this sounds like Skynet. Just saying. But like yeah. there, there are pieces of this in every single, a lot of big, big, big industries. Um, and so, yeah, they, uh, I, I think like, of all, I was looking for this, but I'm like, they contribute a lot to, from an American perspective, into places where, you know, like there's a lot going on. So I, I just wanted to highlight them um, mm. more so because like, especially because of Alex Karp and his, there's a lot of things he, you know, he's he big criticism to um, uh, Silicon Valley and and really, you know, he, he was just on um, CNN on how he says like, the West or the United States in particular is beating the pants out of every single country. And he's wondering how come places in Europe um, and, you know, any other country in the world is not at the same level of this as the United States. And why aren't governments putting more money into AI development? And uh, just to dovetail that with, I think we've all heard um, the NVIDIA CEO saying, hey, there needs to be sovereign AI in every single country at the World Government Summit. So mm. uh, I think he was there too. So it's a very interesting, um, I thought he was, we hear about a lot of the big names, you know, Sam Altman, um, I can't, Dario, I can't, I don't know his, the, 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 the guy from Anthropic, um, Jan LeCun, right? But like, these are some of the maybe the ones that don't get the most press, but I think have a very big time voice and, and perspective in the AI space as well.
Right. Yeah. That's what I love about this list is it's it's not a lot of companies. I mean, there's a few, right, that we've heard. Yeah. We're like, oh, I've heard of that company. But I got to say, is, at least in my experience, as I scroll through it, more than not, um, I um, I didn't know all the, the companies in there. So it's, yeah. it's a great place. By the way, we're going to share this link at the end. But if you're going to try to find it, I threw it up on the screen. But if you're listening to us, you would just go to A, the letter A, 16Z.com. And then it's American-dynamism.com dash 50 dot dash ai well i really screwed that up you can go to that uh to the a16z.com you're gonna find it um i just had three really quick ones i wanted to share and look it's kind of hard to to pick three but we you know otherwise it's be a three-hour podcast today um a show so uh the three that i have that i felt like were pretty cool the first one is skydio that's s-k-y-d-i-o.com and they um, make drone technology. So you sort of just talked about that, Carl. Not so, so much for defense, although they do show some use cases of like following cars and reading license places that can be deployed by like a police officer in like 40 seconds. It can sit in their, in their uh, trunk. And you can imagine if an officer needed to put a drone quickly in the sky to track something or, you know, for, for those reasons. Um, it's there. If you're looking at the screen, they're also showing it where it's going up and inspecting power lines and under bridges. Um, that's where I think this is like, you know, it's showing it in rain. This is where I think this this technology is just really, really important. Um, you know, I've, I've read one too many articles about the current infrastructure and condition of our bridges in the right. United States. And that'll 100%. keep you up at night. <laughs> that'll make you not want to drive over another bridge anytime soon so i know this stuff is super important where you have an aging infrastructure and drones are going to be such a massive part of that um because they can just get into places more safely faster more efficiently all the above um also from the you know the firefighting standpoint obviously i love anything that i feel like is going to protect their firefighters uh coming from that industry so that's a big one as well um sort of in the same idea asaro o-s-a-r-o.com they're a robotics company. If you're looking at a screen, it looks like the kind of stuff we see out of Amazon and stuff where we have packaging. These are robots that can then pick up, figure out how to like look at a package, pick it up, move it. Essentially, what we're looking at here is just is just um, reducing on the job injury on the job in the, um, injury. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly! It's going to be the worst half hour of trying to talk in my life. Um, <laughs> Injuries, thank you. OJIs is all I wanted to say. Um, but also repetitive, <laughs> repetitive injuries, right? From like just doing the same task or like you even see it in this video where people are turning to the left over and over and over. And I look at them and I go, I wonder if they ever get to turn to the right, you know, and put a package on the on the on the scanner the other way, because that would totally ruin my body if I turned and pivoted to the left only a thousand times a day, five days a week, right? That would be rough. So this isn't necessarily trying to replace jobs, but it is replacing, you know, the jobs that are inherently more dangerous to humans and do create injuries. And so I think there's a, there's some really cool use cases here. Um, and Osara stood out to me. Last one really quick, because in 2023 was, was sort of realized the dream of my wife's and I to get totally to EVs. I've talked about this before. We don't have Teslas. We're not rich. We don't have a lot of money. And so it was, it was difficult to get, two EVs in our family that didn't break the bank that we could pay for for cash. And so we'll ultimately ended up in a used a Chevy Bolt as well as a used uh, BMW i3, like a 2015 i3. That's really just for putting around town. So now I have a charger in my in my uh, garage. And I honestly, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I just looked because I was curious. Like in January, I, I used 
580 kilowatt hours of energy to keep our cars charged. Now, I don't go to the gas station, obviously, anymore, which is fantastic. That was at least a $250 bill per month that's gone. But that's not like I'm getting free energy. I'm still paying for it in my garage, although at a much reduced rate. So the best I can figure, I paid about 80 bucks in gas, if you will, for electric charging in my garage in January. But the reality is, and the reason I bring up this company, Weave Grid, W-E-A-V-E-G-R-I-D.com is because they're just part of a larger solution where they're working with utilities, working with drivers, working with um, uh, different companies to try to make a more efficient EV grid. And I will tell you mm -hmm. as a non-Tesla driver, one of the things I feel when it comes to range anxiety is that I it should happen this year, but we do not have access to the Tesla grid, which is by far the best charging EV grid in the country, at least for the states. And this is a huge issue. My wife and I have had range anxiety in the Bolt because it doesn't have a super long thing. And just to go to a local city or a neighboring city like Orlando from Tampa is does require extra work. We have to think about where we're going to top off the EV. Will those chargers be up? Will they be working? It's a little hit or miss. There's definitely a lot to be said for what we're currently uh, dealing with with EV huh. network. But Tesla, has de is definitely ahead and they're more reliable. So what Tesla is doing in 2024, this has nothing to do with Weave Grid, but like it's just part of the larger solution, which is to say you can't really truly convert our country over to EVs until you make it so damn easy that it's as easy as topping off your car with gas. And I'm as a, as a early EV owner, like a meaning like just recent EV, not early, but a recent EV owner, I will say that non-Tesla, it's difficult it takes extra work. It takes extra mm -hmm. time. Just recently, my whole family sat in a parking lot at 1 a.m. at the, the Florida outlets to charge our car because I missed I misjudged what it would take to get us home. Mm -hmm. And I did too many miles at 85 miles per hour, and that affected our range getting back home. You want to talk about anxiety? Uh, Stay at a charger at 1 a.m. because you have no choice. That's a whole lot different than being at a gas station, but there's, you know, there's pros and cons. So I love any company that's trying to help EV owners as well as the utilities get on the same page and try to make it an easier solution because it will oh, yeah. never be wide scale adoption unless it gets close to as easy it is, is to top off a, 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 yeah. a, a tank of gas. And we're just no nowhere near that. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that one I, up. I, I think there's a great opportunity for Weave Grid or another organization like that to just tie in with gas stations. I think just You're adding one charge point at each gas station would alleviate a lot of that anxiety. Yeah. You're absolutely right? right. We're seeing that, but it's it's in my local town uh, at Wawa's, they're Teslas. They're Tesla superchargers, uh, which only, I don't have. Yeah. My There's yeah. no compatibility at the moment. But what's so, happening is Tesla is smart. Ford, Chevy are now paying to be part of Tesla's right. charging yep. grid. Smart. So once again, you've heard a million dollar idea uh, on the Daily AI show. It's just already been tapped by a millionaire, a billionaire. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Listen, they knew <laughs> if they were going to get people to buy Teslas, you got to get places for people to charge Teslas. That's just That's part true. of it, right? So, um, yeah. Uh, any last ones before we wrap this up? Because we're we're right on time here. <laughs> um, so any last cool. ones? We good. It's just a very cool list. I think. Yeah, um, uh, I think go and look if you're interested in this kind of stuff. It really does look like um, it's a list of 
companies that are trying to solve things that are impacting uh, at least Americans' uh, everyday lives, like a ton mm -hmm. of infrastructure, a ton of robotics that allow for a safer workplace or uh, more care, more emergency, more defense, those sorts of things. Yeah. 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 I love it. Great summary. Um, all right. So thank you uh, to Andy, who couldn't be here, but but gave us a pre-recorded um, uh, video for that, which was fantastic. And what I like, once again, just like our new shows on Wednesday, very. If, if, I don't think there was one overlap company ahead of all of us, and none of us knew what we were going to say, which is really, really cool. So um, you know, I love that because it brings so many different perspectives. All right, guys. That's it for today. Tomorrow, we're going to be back talking about Carl's favorite topic. It's Google. Uh, we're going to be Gemini Advanced. Why, why Carl has decided to switch everything over to Gemini Advanced, and now it's the only LLM he uses. This is a hot topic. You don't want to miss this. There's going to be a lot discussed, and um, Carl's coming in hot. I know it. So, uh, Carl, are you going to be here tomorrow? I should ask. Are you here tomorrow, Carl? Yes, uh, he says yes. All right, fantastic. You don't want to miss out on that. That's tomorrow's thing. We will hey, see you okay, guys before you, before uh, you close. I, oh wait, go ahead. Oh go no, ahead. I just wanted to say, like, I actually thought it was today, so I sat there for a good fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so Carl's already ready. <laughs> hey, listen, you played it off well because I would have never known. So okay, all right, guys, that's it for us. We'll see you tomorrow. Aloha.